eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. There was real, well, sort of real, baseball to watch. How does it feel? Welcome to the first Rico Bronia. I'm going to say that a lot. The first Rico Bronia to do this. The first Rico Bronia to do that. This is the first Rico Bronia to break down, or at least talk, about some spring training New York Mets baseball. The Mets win two games uh, between Saturday and Sunday. They lose a split squad game the defending world champion Houston Astros. We get a little bit of a feel for the pitch clock, a little bit of a feel for the no shift, a little bit of a feel for the bigger bases. It was a weird weekend of baseball. And we'll get to the pitch clock because I'm going to give uh, Pete Hoffman an opportunity. He's got an opportunity here. I happen to listen to a little bit of Pete's WFN radio show, and he's going to have an option. Now, we'll discuss this later. But I want the option out there right now for you to think about, and then we'll address it a little bit later on in the podcast. Either you were just being a shock jock on WFAN today. Either you were pulling a Craig Carton, simply just saying, I hate the pitch clock for effect, to get angry phone calls, to have a strong opinion. Some may call it a hot take. That's option number one. You're just effing around. Option number two is I'm going to verbally kick your ass later in the podcast. Those are your two options, Pete. Uh, Right now, what's your answer? And then we'll do it in about 15 or 20 minutes. Go ahead. I'm looking forward for you to verbally kicking my ass. Let's go for the debate. Wow. A human being, a sane human being, a non-idiotic person. Well, we'll find out about that. Who hates the pitch clock? Well, we'll get to that a little bit later on because obviously – I think that's going to be the one of the big topics all around baseball, not just on Rico Bronia, uh, coming out of the first weekend of spring training, and that is some of these big, big changes, and the pitch clock is obviously the headline. So we'll address that a little bit later on in the Rico. As far as the baseball we saw this weekend, uh, Max Scherzer is healthy, so that's the biggest takeaway you take from Sunday's game. I did like, you know, and I know this is related to the pitch clock, but it's related to Scherzer. How Max showed you right out of the gate and then spoke about it after the game, how he's going to use the clock to his advantage and how much he likes it. 
And you got a hint of this real early on, even though it backfired and turned into a little uh, ground ball base hit. But obviously, one of the rules we're seeing is that the batter needs to be in the box, ready to go at the eight-second mark. The batter also has one opportunity in an at-bat to call a timeout. If that batter uses a timeout early in their at-bat, Max Scherzer's going to F with you. He's made that very, very clear. He is going at the eight-second mark to stare you down as you wait, thinking that pitch can come at any moment, and he's going to milk that bitch all the way down to one before he throws the baseball. So for those that feel we lost something with the pitch clock in terms of the, the cat and mouse game between pitcher and hitter, Max Scherzer says, don't worry, I got you. I'm going to count mouse crap the daylights out of hitters. So I thought that was kind of cool. But but truthfully, when Scherzer pitches, when Verlander pitches, when Carrasco pitches, Quintana, Diaz, guys like that, it's just about being healthy. The performance doesn't even matter either. You know, Max Scherzer can go out and give up five runs. He didn't, obviously. He only gave up a single run in his two innings. It's getting your work in, and it's coming out of these things healthy. So when you look at the established guys, that's all I'm thinking about in spring training. You know, I thought it was kind of cool with Alonzo. I'll give him this. Pete had a big day on Saturday night as the Mets took on the Marlins. And just to give you full transparency on what I saw and what I didn't see. So the MLB app has no blackouts during spring training. So I was able to watch a little bit of that first game, the Mets Astros game, the split squad game. And the way I did that was our show on Saturday ended at one o'clock and I put it on my phone as I was driving. Let me make something clear here. I was not watching it. Okay. Pete shaking his head. You think I'm like a terrible person now? No, 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 no. I'm happy that you listened to whatever video you were watching in the back. I listened <laughs> to the video, okay? And then at red lights, I happened to glance. But it was the Astros broadcast, so you weren't really getting a Met feel, but Mets are playing the Astros. You could at least hear about the game, kind of hear what's going on. And so I watched, I would say, about three innings of that. Then I went to a gender reveal party, not my own. Okay, we're good with two boys, but hey, people have gender reveal parties. I was invited. Don't kill the messenger here. Okay, I just went. So for anyone who's got a big issue with gender reveals, I didn't plan it. I just went. And after that, sat down, watched a few more innings of that game, but I didn't watch all night. I'd say I watched about five or six of the Astro game. And then Saturday night, a little bit later on DVR, I may have scored the Saturday night game between the Mets and the Marlins. I may have. May have happened. And then on Sunday, uh, I watched Trey Young hit a buzzer beater against my Brooklyn Nets. I did see that. But I watched uh, all nine innings of the game on Sunday in which I did not score, but my oldest son, Jet, did, which is a first. A first where I did not score, and he did. And he insisted on it. He's like, I want to watch the Mets. Can I score the game? Can I score all three games? I said, well, we've already missed Saturday because he was with his grandparents. So let's not go back and score that, but we can watch Sunday's game. And he wanted to score it. So um, he was into it. We didn't make the changes, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Like he was not as a six-year-old filling in all the changes, which I know is one of the most difficult things about spring training was more just, he wants to ride in the six, three, the four, three, the nines, the singles and whatnot. And he did that for nine innings. I gave him a lot of credit. What would what would you grade him in a in a for a six year old? What would you grade Jet? 
Oh, my God. For a six-year-old, he's getting like a 99 out of 100. The fact he even <laughs> wants to sit down and do it. And it's funny. I was explaining to Jet the pitch clock. And I said, listen, you got to be ready. It's going to be a lot of a lot of action. And early on, hasn't scored a game since last September. He looks at me and says, I don't like the pitch clock, Dad. It's too quick. <laughs> Smart man. Smart kid. I love him. Too quick. Like, what the hell are you talking about? But so the point is, I, I saw of the 27 innings they played, I'd say I saw like 22 of them, 22 of the 27. So I did see a lot of baseball this weekend. A couple of things from that Astro game, which I'm sure a lot of people didn't see. Um, Brett Beatty hits just a bomb the center field in the first inning. And that was the good of Brett Beatty. And Brett Beatty's bat has looked very strong first few days of spring training. The bad of Brett Beatty is in that same game. I think it was in the third inning. He tries to make like a routine play, and he absolutely misses it. So we saw the bad defense from Beatty, which I know you had an issue with during the regular season last year. And then he actually made a decent play in the fourth inning, made a nice backhand play, made a low throw to first, but it got scooped out. So his defense in the Astro game on Saturday was shaky. And, you know, that's the part of his game that he's got to improve, that he's got to clean up. And we mentioned this on the last Rico that Billy Epler talked about the importance of defense, the value of defense. Beatty can hit. You know, I think even in the limited time he was up at the major league level last year, I know the numbers weren't overwhelming, but you could see he can hit. The question is, can he defend at the major league level? And I think the other thing that's going to hurt him, and this is furthering a discussion we had last week, is if Beatty hits, and he hits, and he hits, and he hits, and he makes it that the Mets have to bring him north, I still wonder what his role will be. And I bring this up because, and I was having this discussion on a DM with a fellow Met fan yesterday who said, I disagree with you, Evan. I think Beatty can make the team. Because I mentioned last time on the Rico that I think he's got an uphill battle. You were certainly more bullish on Beatty making the team. The problem I'm seeing is if he makes the team, what are the Mets putting out there against left-handed pitching? You know, because I've heard and I've even said it. Hey, Escobar could be the right-handed batch in a D- right-handed bat in a DH platoon with Daniel Vogelback, and that's true, and that's great. But then, who's playing third base? Are the Mets not only going to trust Brett Beatty to play defense at the major league level and be the most of the time third baseman? Are they going to trust him against left-handed pitching? And I'm not sure they're going to do that right out of the gate. And that's where I think his problem's going to be. You know, who is the right-handed bat? against a left-handed pitcher. It goes back to something I said a few days ago, Tommy Pham and Escobar plays third base. So if that's what you want to sell me on, I guess, but then you lose your outfield depth. They don't have a lot of outfield depth. But that leads me to my boy, my boy, Timothy Arthur Matthewson Locastro, who I'm a big fan of because he does two things that can help a baseball team. Number one, he's great defensively. We saw that with his diving catch he made on Sunday. I'm going to get these games confused. I apologize. But he made a diving catch, I think, the Sunday afternoon game against the Nationals in left field. And also in that game against the Astros, he gets on base. I think it was on a fielder's choice. First pitch. He ain't effing around. Bigger bases like pizza boxes. LeCastro swipes that crap. So this is a guy who can steal bases, a guy who plays great defense, He's not much of a hitter. Yankee fans will tell you that. I know. I think he had a game-winning hit against the Mets, though, years ago. I think he had a walk-off when he was with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not that that means anything. 
everybody's had a walk-off against the Mets at some point. Everybody's walked us off. But I, I'm rooting for him to make the team. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, it, it probably makes the most sense if they're not going to carry 13 pitchers for LeCastro to make the team. But he brings a dynamic that I like. Defense and speed. And let's get to that speed thing. Three days into spring training, stolen bases are up. Now, I, I want to be careful, and we all should be careful, with judging everything we've seen with these new rules in just a couple days. It doesn't mean everything. But obviously, if you sit there and you watch baseball for the last couple of days, there are a couple of things that are going to jump out at you. And I, let's put the pitch clock aside. Number one, guys are running more. And we saw that in the Mets-Astros game. We not only saw that from Tim LaCastro, we saw it from the Astros. So I think there's a combination of reasons for that. Number one, yeah, I think the bigger bases matter. There's just a slightly smaller distance in terms of getting to second base. And then you know that it's less likely a pitcher is going to try to pick you off. Doesn't mean he can't. He obviously has got a few opportunities before that third pickoff attempt that could result in a balk. But you know right off the top, it's just less likely. Now, guy picks you off or at least tries to pick you off the first time, now it's even less likelier that they're going to try to do it again. God forbid they do it again. And I think I saw this in the Nationals game where it was Scherzer, actually, who had two pickoff attempts in a row or two in the same at-bat. And I'm thinking, this guy's taking off, right? This guy's going to take off. He knows Scherzer can't throw over a third time. And the guy didn't run. So it's not always going to be an automatic that guys are going to run. But you've seen it through two days, and I think this trend is going to continue. The stolen base is back. The stolen base is a weapon. And if you're the Mets or any other team in baseball, but this is Rico Bronia, you can't be left behind here. And so I want guys on my roster who could take advantage of this. And late in the game, Tim LaCastro pinch runs for whomever. He's got a chance to automatically take second base which improves your, improves your chances of scoring a run. The shift, too. Boy, here's the thing I noticed about the shift. And again, small sample size. We're overreacting to a couple of spring training games. But Daniel Vogelback had a couple of ground balls this weekend that are gobbled up, eaten up, and he's thrown out by a mile and a half. But without someone sitting in short right center field, that's going right through. Vogelbach had two hits. Again, I think it was Saturday night. I'm getting all these days confused because I know he played Sunday as well. But Vogelbach had two hits that just beat the shift. Francisco Lindor had a single that beat the shift. So there's no doubt, and I'm not even opining about my opinion on the shift rule because that's it's irrelevant. I'm reacting to what we're seeing right now. There are going to be left-hand hitters who are just going to get more base hits. It's just, it's... It's going to happen. And Vogelback said something fascinating on Saturday night, because it was Saturday night. He said, I'm not changing my approach. I never changed my approach. And he speaks for a lot of guys. As much as it may have frustrated me or you or anybody else, hey, come on, they're shifting you. Lay down a bunt. Hey, go the other way. As much as me, we may want players to do that, and there are some that do it, like Jeff McNeil, most guys were never going to change their approach. So for a guy like Vogelback, he ain't changing a damn thing, but baseball around him changed, so he's naturally going to accidentally get a few extra base hits just from it, and we've already seen it two days in a spring training. So the one thing I saw, which is interesting, I think it was the Braves-Red Sox game, which there was a lot of things over there. 
I believe at one point in time, they had five infielders. So if you can't do a shift, but you can still bring a, a fifth infielder in, explain to me how that's, that's allowed. Yeah, I, I think for now, they're just not legislating outfielders. And that, now that could change at some point, not this season, but certainly in the future. So if you want to take your left fielder, and, and let's just use it for the sake of a right-handed pull hitter like Vogelback, if you want to take your left fielder and shift him over to the right side, you can. But you're running a major risk because let's take Joey Gallo as an example. Joey Gallo is an extreme pull hitter who I think he sucks, but the shift certainly didn't help him. He hits fly balls to left field. Like, it's not as if when you're a dead pull hitter, you don't hit the ball in the air the other way or to left center field. It's more on the ground where you're pulling it into right field. So, If you take your left fielder against Vogelback and you shift him over into that old short right center field, yeah, you could take some hits away. But what about the fly ball to left? Like You better have a really athletic outfield to kind of help not turn that into a disaster. So I think if you're a team that has a really athletic center fielder and a really athletic right fielder, then yeah, you could play two outfielders. You're right. There's nothing that's legislating that for now but you're running a risk and you're running, in my opinion, a bigger risk than even what you used to have with the shift. But it's a great question. And I do wonder if teams will employ that. If teams will look at some of these extreme pull hitters like a Daniel Vogelback and say, you know what? We'll give them left field. We'll shade our center fielder over more to left center, but we don't want to give them that base hit in a right field. So let's keep an eye on that. It's absolutely a possibility and a weapon that teams could use. Especially if you, depending on the pitches you have, if you have like a sinker ball pitch or whatever it is that that knows how to approach a vocal back so that he's not going to hit in the air. And it, it, p- ground ball pitchers, they, there's a purpose for them. If they if they know how to approach someone like vocal back, having that fifth infielder is beneficial. Yeah, I think teams are going to do it. I'm not sure how often it's going to be like Daniel Vogelback last year, using him as an example because he's the best example on the Mets. We shifted 75 percent of the time. Some. Just absurd number. So he was one of the more shifted hitters on the Mets. So we'll see. And teams may take different approaches. What the Marlins may do could be very different than what the Braves do. Now, obviously, with the schedule this year, we're going to see every team in baseball. So we'll see how 29 other teams want to treat Lindor and Vogelbach and guys like that. I And I think this was mentioned on the broadcast. You also may have teams not showing you what they're going to do during the regular season. And also scouting out what happens here in spring training. You know, a guy like Daniel Vogelback, who's not going to the World Baseball Classic, may just play a lot more than he normally would have in a regular spring training. Because we're a few weeks away from the Mets losing their entire infield. <laughs> every every single guy in this Met infield is going to the WBC. Lindor is going Team Puerto Rico. Escobar is going Team Venezuela. McNeil and Alonzo are going Team America. So I, you would think that you're still going to keep the workload of veterans to whatever their workload would have been. And really all this is going to do is create more opportunities for younger players. But who knows? Maybe we see a hell of a lot more of Daniel Vogelback playing first base because he ain't going to be on Team USA. Pete Alonso certainly is. Uh, a few other things I noticed. Mark Vientos hit that ripped RBI double against the lefty on Sunday, gave the Mets the lead, gave the Mets the win. Huge. You know, we talked about it the other day. I think Vientos, from a fit perspective, 
makes more sense on this 26-man roster than Brett Beatty, just as a left-handed masher, as a guy that can hopefully crush left-handed pitching. And we saw him play a little first base. Tough to tell much about his defense, but Vientos crushing an RBI double against the lefty is a really good sign. And then, and this is the kid that may electrify all of us in camp, even though it ain't going to mean a hill of beans he ain't making the team, is Ronnie Mauricio. We have all heard about what Ronnie Mauricio did in winter ball. He's a winter ball MVP. And so what does he do? He not only hits a 450-foot home run, he pimped the crap out of it. Ronnie gave us a little preview of the future. We've seen some other sluggers in baseball pimp home runs. We haven't had a lot of pimping. Eh, just not, not that much pimping. Sometimes Pete will pimp a little bit. Sometimes Francisco will pimp a little bit. But Ronnie Mauricio, and I don't care that it's Thomas J. White Stadium, now known as Clover Park. It's always going to be Thomas J. White to me. Doesn't matter if it's February. It doesn't matter if it's in the eighth inning against the guys who's going to be bagging groceries in a few weeks, as the old Major League line says. Ronnie Mauricio hit a 450-foot bomb, and you're damn right he should pimp it. He also said after the game that he's open to playing other positions. Of course he is open to playing. Dude, you're a prospect. And the guy who's blocking your position is signed to a 500-year contract. So you're playing another position. And he said he prefers third base. Well, Brett Beatty may have something to say about that. <laughs> Look, let this kid mash. Let him mash because there will be an opportunity for you at some point. It's not going to happen on opening day. It's not going to happen on March 30th. But if Daniel Vogelbach doesn't have a big year, could we all of a sudden see Ronnie Mauricio as the left-handed DH come the middle of July? Eh, probably not. But you never know. The point is continue to hit. That was fun to see. I like seeing that. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I also like seeing Keith Hernandez hitting on Mrs. Met. It was very awkward if you missed it, but Keith Hernandez was checking out Mr. Met, Mrs. Met's ass. Like, it was really weird. But he was doing it, and he was spitting game. And on a spring training telecast, why the hell not? Why not have Keith hitting on Mrs. Met saying, hey, Where's Mr. Matt right now? Ah, <laughs> oh, she did say that. My one issue with this broadcast, and I'm glad that Gary Cohen brought it up for anyone who watched the Sunday game specifically. 
Uh, they they opened up a bar in right field, I think. They used to have a bar in left field, the Tiki Bar, which they mentioned on the broadcast. I need to do some investigation on this, that they said they were never allowed to show on TV. Gary said that. He's like, yeah, we were never allowed to show the Tiki Bar at Clover Park on TV. I'm like, why? Was there some kind of reason? Is it a bad influence for kids? Like, what? what am I missing here? And maybe that was it. But they were showing the bar area that they just opened up in right field and they were pumping music like it was a nightclub, which is fine. I I get it. Spring training. You want to have all these different places to entertain families or adults, whoever's going. The problem was the music was so goddamn loud. I'm watching the Met game and I'm hearing music and I thought I was going nuts. Like I was checking my phone, making sure it's not coming from me, checking my iPad. Then all of a sudden, Gary Cohen says, where's Where's that music coming from? And I'm like, yes. Yes, Gary. Where is that music coming from? So I hope they stop that crap. I'm trying to watch a baseball game. I've already gotten used to it in the NBA, and it drives me nuts. I go to Barclays Center. I can't think. I, I can't hear myself think because all I hear is music. If it was lower, it wouldn't bother me as much, but it's loud. Baseball with music during at-bats? I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm ready for a lot of things. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, I mean, it's better than, I guess, silence at the ballpark. I mean, I, I mean, the, the crowd's there, but it's not like packed. It's not 50,000 people, 40,000 people. It was, I didn't hear that, that, the broadcast. It was that, it was that loud. That it was that prominent. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, I'd rather hear the sounds of baseball, the sounds of the ball meeting the bat, the sounds of the vendor screaming hot dog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the, the silence is okay. I mean, baseball is the soundtrack of the summer. You know, I know right now it's February. It's the soundtrack of thinking of the summer. So you don't need music blasting by any stretch. As far as the relievers that we saw, we saw John Curtis the other day look good over an inning. That was on Sunday. Sam Coonrod, who's got an outside shot to make the team look good. Tommy Hunter, who probably has a better shot of making this team than we realize because of Buck's love for him. He looked good. Brooks Raleigh looked good. Uh, a lot of arms in the bullpen look good in their first time. It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. You know, Steven Nagosik, who always, I think I mentioned, has a, a real good shot to make this team because he's out of options, pitched a scoreless inning. TJ McFarlane got in a little bit of trouble. He got through an inning. Jeff Brigham did not pitch all that well, but again, got to see him throw an inning. And then a bunch of guys who, honestly, I was like, who's that guy? Who's Lavender? Maybe I should know. Maybe he's a prospect. And then I find myself on baseball reference saying, should I know who this guy is? Does this guy matter? And the truth is, and I, and I remember this all throughout spring training, uh, Lavender, by the way, I guess is a prospect. He was like a 14th round pick a couple of years ago. But a lot of the times you see these names and you realize they're 31-year-olds who were just invited to spring training to fill out a roster. So when you see those guys, it's less exciting. But when you see the prospects and you see the prospects succeed, you know, Kevin Pareda got an at-bat. That was awesome. I was like, oh, great, Kevin Pareda. You know, we've heard the name, but we haven't seen him play. Even to a degree, Ronnie Mauricio, we haven't seen that much of him. So it is nice to see the kids, and we're going to see a lot more of them, mainly because of the WBC coming up in a few weeks. Saw Francisco Alvarez, him and Omar Narvaez already have like a little relationship. So that's kind of cool. Oh, the one thing I wanted to get to on the Alonzo home run, and I guess this will lead into the um, – sorry, that was my alarm coming off. I got to take some meds. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. 
Uh, the Alonzo at bat, and this will relate to the pitch clock. And then me and Pete yell at each other about it. Pete Alonzo, and I, I never even really realized this because my anger towards the pace of play has always been at the pitcher. And I apologize. It's not always the pitcher's fault. But I think what I've noticed over the years when I've been on DVR and Jairus Familia throws one pitch in 45 seconds, that it's blame Jairus Familia. So I apologize. I have not taken as no, much notice on the hitters taking as much time. Like we all know about Nomar Garcia Parra, David Ortiz, guys like that. And as Pete was coming up on Saturday, the broadcast crew immediately mentioned, hey, Pete's going to have to adjust. Pete takes a long time between pitches. It's never even something I ever thought about. And I thought it was interesting in his first at bat in the pitch clock era, you see Pete trying to adjust. He gets in the box. He's trying not to step out. He uses one timeout, and then it's a bomb of a home run. And I thought that was awesome. And then in his next at bat, rips a base hit. And so Pete had a huge first day. What does that really mean? I don't necessarily think it means anything. Like I said earlier about veterans, you just want them to get their work in, stay healthy, but there's going to be an adjustment. And I'm not naive enough to think that there won't be. There's going to be an adjustment for hitters. There's going to be an adjustment for pitchers. You've got guys who have to change their routine. And so to see Pete immediately respond to his routine change by hitting the baseball over the fence and by having a couple of other hits, I thought that was really encouraging. Keep this in mind, though, when I talk about routine change that a lot of guys are going to have to face. A lot of these guys have no routine change. And what I mean by that is the pitch clock has been in the minor leagues now for a couple of years. It didn't come out of nowhere. So you've got guys, especially during spring training, who look at this as old hat. They've experienced it already. And it made me wonder when they instituted it a few years ago, with that, with grooming young players to get in the box quicker and grooming young players to throw the baseball within 15 or 20 seconds, would that almost cause you to never need a pitch clock? If you change the generation before you, or after you, I should say, and they just come to the majors not trying to kill time on the mound, maybe it won't be necessary. But it is necessary. And before you give your argument, Pete, let me just say this. I have argued for years and years and years as a diehard baseball fan, as someone who watches 162 games of his own team and many others of others, that this sport was in desperate need of a pitch clock. It was in desperate need of a pitch clock, not because my attention span changed, it hasn't, but because baseball has changed. And all you need to do is do the rewatch. You rewatch game seven of the 86 World Series, like we did a few weeks ago, it doesn't need explaining. The game moved quicker. Pitchers weren't taking 40 seconds between pitches. Batters weren't stepping out nearly as much. The time of game is going to get a lot of attention. People are going to talk about, oh, two hours and 20 minutes. That's great, by the way. That's a great byproduct of this. But the pitch clock became necessary for the last decade because guys were becoming abusive on the mound and in the batter's box. They didn't give a crap. And maybe there were pitching coaches saying, Take your time. Take a deep breath. There's no rush. Try to get the batter out of his rhythm. Whatever the reason was, and I'm not saying they came from these bad reasons. You know, you're trying to relax a young guy on the mound. Okay, fine. Guy's pitching in a 10-1 game in the eighth inning. He just made his major league debut. Every pitch is game seven of the World Series to him. I respect that. But this became horrific over the last decade. 
So the one thing I don't want to hear from you or anyone else is someone telling me, of all people, a diehard baseball fan, that we hate baseball and somehow we changed. I didn't change. The sport changed. And after a while, you realize, okay, if they're going to become this abusive with the time in between pitches, then we got to do something about it. As far as I'm concerned, the pitcher's clock, the pitch clock, should have been instituted five years ago, ten years ago. So for me, this is personal. I've been screaming about this for a long damn time, and I got to tell you, the last two days have been incredible. This is what baseball should be. So that's my little stanch on this. I'll give you a chance to respond, but I warn you, it's not going to go well because I have an answer for any garbage you're going to claim against the pitch clock. But go ahead. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Evan. Um, First of all, I love baseball too. I'm not a purist. I mean, the DH stuff, like I'm totally fine with where we are at in, 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 in the game today. My biggest issue is it's been two days, spring training. Oh, it's unbelievable. This is the times are moving, but I, we've already seen the mistakes. And I understand that people are saying, oh, spring training, they're going to figure it out. But it's there's going to be a time. There's going to be a place. It may be in the regular season. And it's going to happen in the playoffs where a game is decided on something so stupid. We just watched the Super Bowl where uh, Bradbury gets called for a penalty. Why? Because it was a penalty. It was stupid. Did he need to be called? No. But the same thing in baseball. You have a 3-2 pitch, 3-2 count, bases loaded. And because the batter didn't step in time, he gets called a strike, inning over, game over because of spring training. And that's going to happen, and a game is going to be decided, a crucial game is going to be decided over something stupid and idiotic like that, and there's no wiggle room because now you've implemented it. You have to be in there at eight seconds. You have to get the pitch off before that clock is done. There's no wiggle room. There's no, well, ah, let's give him. He was about to start doing it. Are we going to go to instant replay now too? Did he start just before it went to zero, or was his wind-up going uh, while the one was there? Are we going to get to that deep into it? And that is my concern. You got nothing to worry about. I mean, seriously, (laughs) that's your argument? You got nothing to freaking worry about. Like, day one, and and as soon as I saw the highlight of this, I rolled my eyes knowing what was going to happen. Yes, there was a spring training game between the Red Sox and Braves in which bases loaded three and two, and a catcher standing up behind them, and the batter doesn't get in the box in time at the eight-second mark. The umpire says strike three. Oh, my God, the game ends in a tie. On day one of spring training, I said to you, you agreed with me. So it wasn't just me. A week ago, that the first week of spring training is going to be a circus. That's what I said. You nodded. You agreed. I even said, get your popcorn ready. But anything you see over the first week does not mean it's going to happen in the middle of May or, dare I say, the middle of October. If someone is stupid enough, to not understand that they have to get in the batter's box at the eight-second mark, then they deserve to be called out on strikes, you nincompoop. I mean, seriously, these are the rules, and they're so goddamn basic. You have a timeout. Don't use your timeout. Oh, my God, what a concept. Wait. If you get to a 3-2 pitch where you're like, oh, God, I got to step out, then use your freaking timeout. Don't use your timeout to adjust your balls right off the top. Okay, so stop trying to protect idiots because that's really anybody who's called out for strike three 
in a playoff game or in an April game, nevertheless, they're a moron. But it you're not that complicated. But you're not anticipating the reality of the situations in the playoffs. That's the other Which thing. Which is too, what? Right? Uh, the pressure-filled situation. We're, oh, we're trying to run. No, no. Let me. Let, what stop. I love about baseball, I love the pressure-filled situation. I love the anxiety. I love the the, the drama that's being built into it. And you're well, basically hold on, hold on, like, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Because you're making a second argument, okay? And yeah. let's put the first one to bed. And then Because this argument is actually fair, but I don't want them to be uh, convoluted, if you will. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. The batter making a mistake in October is not going to happen. The pitcher making a mistake in October is not going to happen. In fact, I'm confident, and, and if I'm wrong, by the way, I'll own it, that by the time we get to May, it'll probably be sooner, we will never see violations. They will be rare. You know how rare they'll be? They'll be balks. And you know how balks are like weird and no one really understands that? No one gets balks. You know you could lose a World Series on a balk? You could. Bases loaded two out. Pitcher could commit a balk. Yet, do we ever see that? Like, rarely. We'll see once in a while the, the game-ending balk. We'll see a significant balk. You know, Steve Beezer will cause David Cohn to commit a balk in the Subway Series. But outside of that, the balk has become obscure, right? It doesn't happen that often. Yeah, but now That's you have a going to be the violation. It's no, obscure, but- Hoff. No, but see, the thing is, now you have a pitch clock and you see it. And now there's going to be, you can't just be like, well, maybe the umpire will have a little discretion and they won't call it. They have to. And now it's there. Okay. Okay. So... Because I do want to get to that other point you were about to get to, because I know a lot of people have claimed it, and it's it's a fair, worthy debate. I think it's actually a fair debate. The rest of this debate, I think, is stupid. No offense to anybody <laughs> listening. I think you're all morons if you hate the, the pitch clock. And I know I'm going to get a lot of angry emails about it, but I'll write all of you back. I think you're all crazy. The pitch <laughs> clock's the greatest invention in the history of baseball. But to what we see, which is a very fair question, when I put on the games Friday briefly, I saw the clock right behind home plate, 15, 14, 13, 12. And I said, ooh, I like it. But I, I got a lot of tweets of people saying it's distracting. It's causing me uh, nervousness by just seeing it. When I turned the Mets on, whether it was the Astro game or the Saturday night game on SNY or the Yankee game on Sunday afternoon, no one shows the clock. What they do is very similar to the play clock in the NFL. They will not show the clock until there's seven seconds left, and it'll be on the bug. Now, I watched a lot of this game, Pete, so I'm saying this from experience. Very rarely did he even get down to two or one. Very rarely. Now, Max Scherzer was effing with people, and I thought that was brilliant. That's the cat-mouse game people, I guess, love. But for the most part, you see it hit seven, six, five. Guys pitching already. Like, there were very few moments in which I was like, ooh, is he getting it off? Like, it, it didn't happen. The batter stepping in an eight, we don't know about because they're not showing us that clock. We just have to assume the batter's going to step up. And, and I watched the Mets. I watched three games. I didn't see one strike call. Now, maybe I missed it. I apologize if I did. So for anyone who saw it, you can certainly correct me. I think I saw, I'm trying to think. I think I saw one violation actually over three days, but I don't even remember if it was a ball or a strike. And, and it certainly didn't impact anything because I barely remember it. And that's early on in spring training. So if I'm sitting here on a Sunday afternoon, Pete, and the clock very rarely gets down to zero, and we never saw a violation, and that's three games into spring training, what the hell makes you think that in the middle of April this is going to be an issue? 
because as we said, as we're going to get to the next point is there are going to be pressure filled situations and those moments are going to be bigger where there's going to be errors. No, there won't. Yes, there will be. (laughs) By whom? By the batter or by the pitcher? It could be either or. There's going to be moments. Listen, you say that they're, they're, it won't happen, but yet we, we we see it in all sports that there's always an issue. There's always something that happens. Listen, we see in football all the time. And I know it's a different sport, but you see penalties all the time. You're not supposed to grab a guy. In the biggest I, situation, you can't compare the two. I, I'm sorry. I'm a holding violation <laughs> or a roughing the passer penalty isn't the same as just making sure you pitch a baseball. Well, we haven't, been, we haven't been there yet. And that's the thing is, too. Guy calls timeout early in a, in a pitch count, right? Early, early in a pitch count, calls a timeout. Because he was fixing his balls. Well, now it's 3-2. Fouls off three pitches in a row. It wants to take a timeout. What is he supposed to do? What if he starts rubbing his eye like, can I get a timeout? I got dirt in my eye. Can I do that? I mean, it, uh, w- there is a line that I think, again, I just want to make sure that there no game is decided over something stupid. Like you said, it's, it's stupid. It is. Well, you say that. You say that. Let's get back to it when it happens. I'm telling what, you it's going to happen. Uh, listen. You say, listen, Ev, I, I love you. I know you – listen, we'll get into the pressure-filled situations for sure, but you're telling me that it's going to be flawless. I think it's wrong. I think – not saying I think it's wrong, like, oh, you can't do this, but something – a game will be decided on something stupid at some point. Well, I think the 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 clock – flawless is too strong. I think the clock is going to be effective. I think that humans may make a mistake, but that's on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, if someone can't get in the box at the eight-second mark, where someone misses the pitch clock, that's on them. That's that that, that that's not me blaming I, the pitch I, clock. I, I understand. Like, that's on the human being. I understand, but you're making it sound like it can't happen. That a game won't be decided over something. No, stupid. no. It, look, things again. There's been game winning balks. That's stupid. I just think it's going to be rare, and I think the worst thing that could have happened. Not that it matters, because. Y'all are going to lose this debate anyway, and you're going to forget about it by the middle of April and realize the beauty of the pitch clock. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But the worst thing that could have happened in the short term was there being that bases loaded tie game situation for everybody to point to. So everybody can point to that and say, oh, can you imagine if this is the World Series? It's not going to happen in the World Series. And the thing that I don't think is fair, and I, by the way, don't blame anybody who hasn't watched the spring training game yet. Okay. You don't have to watch any spring training games. You may listen to the Rico for news, information, opinions. I don't expect you to be sitting there watching Mets Nationals on a Sunday afternoon. But I did for you, and I can tell you this, and you can trust me, 
And then you'll see I'm right come March. The game is better. The game is better. So instead of the one or two mistakes you're worried about, did you watch Sunday's game? I did not, no. You did not. No. When you watch a baseball game, and there's no pressure. It doesn't have to be in spring training. Trust me, I get that it's spring training, and it's non-alcoholic beer. When you watch a game, get back to me and tell me the pace wasn't unbelievably awesome. No, I see, I see how quick the game goes. I get it. I get it. But now it's not about how quick the game goes. It's not about two hours and twenty five minutes or two hours. I haven't said that once yet. I could. I could cite every freaking baseball game and talk about how quick they were. But that's not even what I'm bringing up. It flows. It's like pitch, pitch, pitch. It's not pitch. Let's wait around for forty five seconds. And that's not me hating baseball when I say that. That's the reality of what's been going on for 15 years. Like, we should not wait 45 seconds between pitches. That is unacceptable crap. And how that's happened for the last 20 years is beyond me. That cannot happen. It's dead. So when I'm sitting there watching a baseball game now, and I've watched three of them, it flows. It's like art. It's beautiful. It's what it should be. They brought baseball back to its purest form. Thank you. God for the pitch clock. Now, can we get to the intensity situation? Yes, the, the make your point. Go ahead. Because this this is the re- this is really what, what I'm harping on is I love those moments, those big moments, and I don't mind someone taking an extra beat. Like it is a big spot here, bases are loaded, or whatever the case is. I need to take an extra moment, an extra breath, and it, the anxiety builds, and you're you're building those those dream pressure filled moments they don't have they're not going to happen anymore because like you said it's just bang 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 everything is you have a timeout sure but you use it already early in that bat it's over you're just going to keep on going and there's the anticipation is not going to be there again so my my first retort to that would be edwin diaz last year Edwin Diaz worked at a lightning quick pace. I think we had mentioned that a couple of times when we talked about this pitch clock, how guys were going to have to make adjustments. Guys like Adam Adovino are going to have to make an adjustment. But Edwin Diaz was the fastest working reliever in baseball. He is one of the few relievers that would have succeeded in pitching within the 20 seconds, which is the rule when there are guys on base. And it's noticeable. Like Edwin Diaz was a lightning fast worker. Did, in that, in your opinion, take away from the drama moments when Diaz would try to save games? Yeah, but that wasn't every, that wasn't every, I mean, listen, it was. he, did, he, he pitched at a great pace, but it wasn't every, it, it what was, it? if you go back and look, I can't say it was like it was a hundred percent, but I remember feeling, wow, when he was at, when he was on last year and even the year before, like he works quick and that's always been a bugaboo. It's part of why I'm so passionate about the pitch clock because I, I've seen this for years. I know Jay Riz Familia would take 45 seconds between pitches. Like, that's a joke me and my dad had for years. We'd say, oh, Familia, that inning's going to take 13 minutes because he works forever. And with Diaz, it was certainly noticeable that he would get the baseball and he would throw. Get the baseball and throw. And the numbers back it up. Like, his average pace was under the 20-second clock. Based on that, I would think in 20 seconds with guys on base, obviously I would say based on that, Pete. Yeah, it it happened all the time. Like I, I don't think there are going to be many sequences. If you went back and looked where Edwin Diaz took 28 seconds between pitches. And I think we enjoyed watching him. 
I think that the drama moments when there were guys on base, whether it's against the Braves in August or the Phillies that one time, I think, where he looked rocky, that also I think may have been August. It, it was great. Like he got he got the job done, obviously, and we love that. Or when he blew it in San Francisco, dude, it was boom, 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 boom. And I don't remember anybody saying, boy, that inning didn't have drama because Diaz was working too fast. You saw Scherzer strike out his last the last guy in twenty seven seconds, right? What, say that one more time. I think Scherzer struck out to somebody today in 27 seconds. That's the one of, one of the – I saw a couple of highlights, but that's one thing I saw. Scherzer threw three pitches. Oh, um, oh three pitches. You were confusing me because I was like, wait a second, pitch clock. Yeah, yeah, so boom, 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 yeah. Yeah, so in 27 seconds, three pitches, he struck somebody out. Yeah, what's wrong? Was, yeah, no, well, here's <laughs> – What's the you problem? Say, you say what's wrong, it's like – you're, say it's like the, the game seven or whatever it is. Again, this is just me being a romantic of the sport. I love those moments, dude. If you have an inning that lasts three minutes because they strike out, boom, 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 and there's it, that's the, the ninth inning is over, like nothing happened. I, I just feel like there there takes away all the anticipation. Everything that's built into those moments are gone kaput. You know, like I, I get that like the timeout is still a possibility. You could slow it down a little bit, but those moments, those those moments are what really drives the storyline for baseball. I don't think that's going to take anything away from these moments. I don't think that the plays happening one after another is going to take away from bases loaded two outs. I don't think it would have taken away from the ninth inning of Cardinals Mets. If Beltron ripped the double, like he struck out real quick, like Okay, like I don't think it would have mattered if it happened when with 13 seconds in between pitches or 25 seconds in between pitches or Robin Ventura's grand slam single. Like, I don't think it would have mattered if it was nine seconds between pitches or 30 seconds between pitches. Like the one thing I'll agree with you on is, yes, in those situations, I have always been less angry about the pace of play. My pace of play issue is mostly you know, fifth inning, really every inning, but those final (laughs) moments. That's why, yeah, would I be willing to say shut the clock off in the ninth inning to make you guys happy? Yeah, I don't care about that. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I disagree that it's taking away from the big moment. I don't think it is, but I also would be willing to compromise by saying, fine, okay, shut the clock off in the ninth inning. Done. Well, here, deal. I'm okay with that. So here's the thing is, right, like, and, and I'm not opposed to, to working with the clock, too. Like, if you're conditioned, like you talk about the minor leaguers, right, they're conditioned already. They've been doing this for a while already with, already with the, the pitch clock. So to them, it's kind of like they've done this already. So if you're going to condition people from the first seven innings or, or even if it's just for the playoffs, right, you conditioned for the regular season to do this already, you're kind of in that condition mode anyway, so you're not going to be as egregious in the playoffs, right? You're already going to be conditioned to, this has been what I've done for 162 games. So in the playoffs, I will be able to, I'm just going to, we're going to pitch every 15 seconds anyway, but maybe I do need that extra moment. And it, for the drama purpose, it's like the, it's like the, the extra inning rule, right? You're not throwing a, a, a man on second base in the, in the playoffs. Well, because the rule sucks and the rule is stupid and the rule is literally done because people want to go home. Like, I think everyone's admitted it, that the only reason it's there is because who wants to stick around for 16 innings? So uh, the rule sucks. I get why people don't. I get why some people have learned to like it because they don't want to deal with an 18 inning game in the regular season. By the way, with the pitch clock, the 18 inning game will be a lot easier to deal with. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I, I, I said to you earlier, I didn't want to bring up time of game. The only time of game mention I will bring up, it's not the Met games. They've all been two and a half hours, and it's been beautiful, was a box score I looked at from Sunday. The Arizona Diamondbacks played the San Diego Padres, and the final score was 18-6. to six. There were 25 combined hits, and there were 11 combined walks. Okay? So there were 36 base runners, and there were 24 runs scored. That game, without a pitch clock, is easily four hours. Like, it's not even a question that that game is four hours. That game, in spring training with a billion different pitchers and 11 walks and 25 hits and 24 runs was a shade over three hours. Three hours and three minutes. And there was nothing that didn't happen that would have happened without a clock. And what I mean by that is we're not losing any baseball. Less pitches aren't being thrown. Less hits aren't occurring. We're getting the exact same amount of stuff. We're just doing it in a shorter period of time. And it boggles my mind that anybody would be against that. That's not about wanting to go home or hating baseball. It has nothing to do with that. It's simply saying we're getting the same amount of action, except we're squeezing it together just a tiny bit. And I never thought the pace of play was too fast. I never had that feeling watching these games. And for those who have formed opinions without watching these games, watch some games and you're going to see that it's actually beautiful. And it's the way this sport was intended to be played. Without a clock, it was supposed to be 27 outs. And then I got abused. No, I agree with you. It was never, there was never intention to need a clock because we didn't need one because guys in the 60s and 70s and 80s and to a degree the 90s wouldn't scratch their balls after every pitch. So you know who made this happen? Jairus Familia made this happen. No Ma made this happen. Guys like that made this happen. And, and maybe there's a time 30 years from now where we could take the clock away, but it became necessary. I'm sorry. Like, I, I apologize. It, it, they abused it. They took my beautiful sport, our beautiful sport, and for the last decade, it was abused. I remember getting home from a game the other, it was probably last year. I don't go to back-to-back games as much anymore, mostly because of my family. It has nothing to do with time of games. But I went to back-to-back games, and I got home. My wife says to me, do you miss going every night? Because she knows that six years earlier, I was going to 70 games, like some absurd number. And she said, do you miss going every night? And I said, honey, the way baseball's become, I couldn't do it. I can't physically go and watch a three and a half hour game every single night. It's too much. And she said, did you change? I said, I didn't change. The sport changed. That's what happened. I, yeah, when I went, it wasn't three and a half hours every single night. And so it became too much. Now, that's not why I don't go to games as much. I still go to a lot of them. I go to them because I've got kids, wife, the whole thing. But it got overwhelming. And I can't believe that people haven't seen that and that people's response to fixing baseball's biggest issue, and it is baseball's biggest issue, or I should say, 
was baseball's biggest issue. I can't believe that I've seen people, and I'll see it in my email. I'm sure I'll get emails to RicoB at gmail.com actually have the balls to say this is this is terrible it's terrible like i'm sorry i i've always tried to have an open mind on other opinions i think you're all nuts i think you're all nuts i, I don't you're think nuts it, pete sorry you're nuts I, I i will say this i don't think it's terrible i think you could do it uh throughout the regular season but for the playoffs i i want that pure i want the i want the pureness Stop. of it come Stop. on it's even worse in the playoffs. The game's a four and a half hours long. But, then, well, but, but wait a second. You're there for the reason. Like, what are you doing? What You're there. Pete, we, watch, we watch football. We watch Super Bowl. How long Pete, was the Super Bowl? Pete, 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 Pete. First of all, there's 17 games in a football season, okay? In baseball, there's 162. And I love the playoffs. And you're right. Those games could be six hours. I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to be riding on each pitch. But we do not need pitchers taking an abusive amount of time in between pitches for no goddamn reason. I'm sorry. There isn't a reason most of the time why these guys take an hour and a half. It, it, it cannot happen. It doesn't need to happen. And what's beautiful about this clock is we're all going to realize it's not Max Scherzer took time in between pitches. He did. We went over the numbers a few months ago. Oh boy. Max Scherzer takes a while. Max Scherzer's a professional and he's realizing, okay, I'll pitch within 15 seconds. And oh, by the way, not only will I pitch between within 15 seconds, I'm going to be ready at the eight-second mark, and I'm going to F with every batter that's coming up there. He's also a psycho. Yes. In a, in a, in a, in a great way. <laughs> You're damn right. God, I love the pitch clock. I, I cannot. I'm thinking of getting a tattoo on my ass that says, I love the pitch clock. I'm just kidding. I'm getting. I'm getting a little too crazy. I do love the pitch clock, but... And I don't mean this as a slight toward you, Pete, or anybody else. Watch the games. Sit down. I know it's spring training. It may be tough. I want you to sit down. Put it this way. If you are going to email thericob at gmail.com, do not email me. Do not email Pete unless you've watched the full game. I'm sorry. I Because, quite frankly, I just don't want to hear that opinion yet. Watch the game. Now, if you watch the game, and still kind of agree with Pete's weird points about it's going to screw up in May or the playoffs. Like I'll gladly listen because because I know what you'll say. You'll say how much you hate the possibilities of bad things happening. But if you watch the game, you know what you'll also say. Got to admit the pace is awesome because you'd be lying if you don't say that. Like there's no baseball fan that will watch this game, any of these games with the pace of 15 seconds and 20 seconds, and say, oh, it's too quick. My head hurts. The only reason my six-year-old said it was too quick is because he's learning how to score. So he's writing it down. (laughs) That's the only reason it was too quick for him. (laughs) Oh, man. But look, this is going to be a big topic amongst baseball fans over the next few weeks as we get closer and closer to opening day. But it's fun to see baseball. It was fun to see the kids hit. It was fun to see the Mets win a couple of games. But more than that, it was just fun to watch baseball. The wins don't really matter. It's just about coming out of this thing healthy, coming out of this thing alive. Oh, by the way, if you hate the pitch clock, I got great news. Watch the World Baseball Classic. And I'm telling you right now, if you hate the pitch clock, watch the World Baseball Classic because you will come back after the World Baseball Classic and say, God, I love that pitch clock. Because you're going to watch a snail's pace.
<laughs> That'll make you really appreciate uh, the pitch clock. Anyhow, you could email the pod Met-related stuff. We did the Met stuff for the first half hour, the pitch clock argument in the last half hour. You can email us at the RicoB at gmail.com. And one thing you missed completely, uh, there was a major signing today, uh, Manny Machado, and that basically is taking him off of the free agency list for the Mets next year. Yeah, I'm kind of glad this happened. I have to admit, when I got the breaking news sent to me, 11 years, $350 million, there was a part of me that said good. Because it annoys me that we think so much about free agents a year from now. And yeah, I mean, a year from now, it'd be nice to have him available. There's so many options. You could sign him, obey to the left field, add Manny Machado. But the truth is, at least that distraction's gone now. We don't have to talk about that. But it does mean that the free agent class when it comes to bats in 23-24 is very limited. It's Shohei Otani and there's not much else. But you know what? If the Mets can develop these kids, Vientos, Mauricio, Beatty, Alvarez, maybe we're sitting here a year from now not even pining for adding an offensive bat. But, yeah, Padres got it done, 11-year deal, which means Manny Machado is signed to at least 40. Fernando Tatis is signed for many years. Xander Bogarts is signed for many years. It does make you wonder about Juan Soto. And I'd assume they'll be able to re-sign Juan Soto. It does feel like the Padres are all in, and I and I respect that. I'd be crazy. We'd all be hypocrites to rip that. You know, they're basically doing what the Mets are doing, except not getting criticized. That's really what's happening. The Padres are super, super aggressive and respect. Like, I got, what am I going to do? I'm not going to yell at them. Good for them. But when the Padres do it, when they re-sign you Darvish to a monster contract, when they sign Manny Machado, when they trade for Juan Soto, when they sign Xander Bogarts, it's like, oh, the Padres did this. When the Mets sign somebody, hell is breaking loose. The sky is falling, and Steve Cohen is an evil, evil man. It's funny how that works. Padres do it. Look, that's the Padres. Mets do it. Yeah, I gave you the sound effects. You don't need words. But good for Manny Machado. He signed till he's 42 years old. I'm very, very happy for him. But Juan Soto, you got to go somewhere you respect it. You got to go somewhere where you love. They don't respect you in San Diego. They keep signing everybody else. And they're not signing you. That'd be the crown jewel in two years. Juan Soto. But again, let's focus on this year. We don't have to think about all these random free agents. Uh, but good for Manny Machado. 11 years, $350 million. Coming up on the next Rico We'll talk more about the ins and outs of spring training. Plus, also coming up, we will get into the idea of radical realignment. We're getting our first little jump into realignment, not realignment, but schedule realignment this year where everybody's facing everybody. But is this just a gateway to radical realignment? And as a Met fan, selfishly, would you really want to share a division with the New York Yankees? We'll discuss it coming up on Rico as we creep closer and closer to opening day. We appreciate you listening and downloading. You can check out me and Craig, 2 o'clock on the fan, though Craig won't be in this week. And obviously Pete producing Tiki and Tierney. Thank you for listening and downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>